Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. Uh, this episode is part of our series called Is It Worth It, Charlie?, where I help students inside our retail-ready community think through pivotal decisions they are about to make in their business to help them determine whether or not moving forward with that decision is worth it. Now, if you are joining us for the first time, I'm Charlie Birkinshaw, and in addition to running my own CPG business, Element Shrub, I also support and advise our students inside our Retail Ready course and community. In today's episode, I will be sitting down with fellow Retail Ready student, Kim Meyer of Kim Bar Energy Bars to talk about how many flavors she should launch, which SKUs she should launch, when to launch new SKUs, et cetera, et cetera. So if this is something you have ever struggled with, I am excited for you to listen in. So with that said, let's find out, is it worth it? I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious, values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind the scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Whiz podcast to give you hard to access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. Hey, before we jump in, I want to make sure that you've grabbed my free retail roadmap, a workbook that outlines my nine steps to building a brand that flies off the shelf. If you're a producer of a packaged product in the food industry, you are going to want this. I'll add it to today's show notes, so make sure you check out that PDF when you're done listening. Thanks. Kim, welcome. It is so great to have you on the show today. Thank you for being here. Hi, Charlie. It's great to be here. I'm really excited about our conversation today. Yeah, can't wait to jump in. So as I said in the introduction, today we are talking about SKUs, which ones to launch with, how many to launch with, when to launch new ones, how many is too many. Uh, but before we jump into that topic, do you want to give uh, everybody, just a quick introduction about you, your background, Kim Bar Energy Bars. I'd love to. Before becoming an entrepreneur, I worked for 10 years as a customer care representative for a hotel chain. I've taught cooking classes for a community college, and I led a cooking affinity group for my church. Um, I've cooked in a cafe that focused on healthy foods. My love language is feeding people, and my passion is feeding people real food that satisfies. And creating my Kimbar Energy Bar came out of a desire to find a grab-and-go healthy snack that fed my body while satisfying my taste buds. And my customers agree. So I've been making Kimbars in my home kitchen under the Nebraska Cottage Industry Guidelines for the past four years. And in June of this year, um, it was really exciting. I moved into an industrial kitchen so I can produce my energy bar and finally sell it to wholesale accounts. I love it. That's that's such a big step after, um, you know, all this time of making it at home and moving into a kitchen. Uh, really, really exciting. And I, I love your sort of background in hospitality and being able to uh, bring that customer sort of service to your uh, Kimbar Energy Bar customers. Um, so 
I really excited to jump in. Uh, so you have been you've been a student with us, a uh, retail ready signature student for I think just over a month now. But tell tell me how has the experience been so far? What have you learned? What's has it been good? <laughs> awesome! It's amazing. So um, from my first industry expert call, which I just got so much out of, um, and it was just su such quality. Uh, Facebook posts and one-on-one -on -one welcome call with you, Charlie. Um, I've been encouraged and supported with all the information I need to be successful. Uh, this is such a solid program, and I'm so grateful I decided to join Retail Ready <laughs> and not wait, you know, not like, well, should I, shouldn't I? And I know I'm going to be successful in launching my wholesale business. I mean, it's like, it's a given. Uh, I have to do the but uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, we all we all have to do the work. I I so I so appreciate that, Kim. Thank you, thank you for uh, for saying that. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's jump into this conversation and maybe just kind of kick things off like we usually do by just sharing a little bit of background about sort of how you got to this point of sort of wondering. Okay, well, how many shoes skews should I launch with? Which one should I launch with? Tell me. Tell me a little bit more about how that uh, that topic came to be, if you will. So looking to the future, I, I, I know I want to add SKUs. Of course, that's how sure. we grow. And I have multiple flavors I'd create, I've created. I created 10 flavors, and I'm only wow. uh, now launching two. And that's how it started out for me in the kitchen. It's like I had a base that I, I made, and then all of a sudden I'm like, somebody said, well, what about this? What about that? Well, could you do this? Well, I want a bar with more protein. Um, okay. Um, and so I would just go, get in and create. And um, and now we've had to hone it down to two because that seems manageable. Yeah. And so um, anyway, um, I've created a plan um, to add my product to my product list at the right time. And I'm learn looking to learn about the best way to introduce SKUs and remain profitable, of course. I want them to remain profitable, so. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I mean, I, I remember too, in the early days of sort of pre-launch, getting ready, uh, thinking about all of the new flavors that that we could launch and mm -hmm. yeah, and getting and getting feedback from people of like, hey, you should make this or you should make this. I remember, you know, now my kids were, super young at the time, but now they're like, oh, can you make this shrub or this flavor? Um, <laughs> but I, I I love that you you ended your sentence with the word profitable, right? Um, because I think, right, at the end of the day, there's, uh, there's so many things you could do at the beginning, right? And, and, you know, when we launched Element Shrub, I thought we were going to do, I thought we were going to launch three different businesses right at the beginning that are all like sort of permutations of shrubs and sodas and other things. And, and then I quickly realized that, you know, just one of those is, is a, is a full-time job in and of itself. So um, I, I love that you are taking the approach of, okay, like I want to do these things, but I want to do them in a way that is uh, both profitable and then sustainable for for me and the the people that I have running running this business right now. So um, remind remind everybody. You, you I think you mentioned two SKUs that you are going to launch with. What uh, what flavors were those? How did you how did you pick those flavors? Uh, tell me a little bit more about how you landed on on that as your sort of starting point. 
Okay. So, um, first of all, I want to say, I thought we would start out with three flavors. Okay. And then, um, a friend of mine just encouraged me. Of course, I was a little stressed out, you know, like, oh my gosh, three flavors, right? Like, Kim, <laughs> Kim, what about two? I'm like, wow, is that a good word? So I, just like <laughs> I love some it. basics. So um, I would like to give a little story. Um, I Chocolate is um, one of the first one I ever made. And I have a um, a friend who's a chiropractor. Okay. Who during COVID said to me, Kim, I'm allergic to really healthy chocolate. And if I sneeze eight times in one with one of my patients, they're thinking I have COVID. And I said, <laughs> okay. And it, he says, can, what can you do for me? I want to keep eating your Kim bar. So I said, well, let's go ahead and I'll just test by taking out the chocolate. And oatmeal cookie dough was born. And ah. It's my, it's my biggest seller. I and love so it. It's okay. Some people are chocoholics. Some people don't care about chocolate whatsoever. Yeah. So that's, that, that's how that happened. And it's so exciting because people do give you ideas, right? And then oh, it's yeah. like, okay, I'm not going to say no. It may not work out. I can't reinvent the wheel every time, but if it works in this situation, all right, that's the way we'll try yeah. it. And in your case, right, this was a this was a customer that was giving you an idea, right? Not just like a friend or somebody like your sister, or like somebody who doesn't like actually pay money for your your Kim bars, right? It's not just somebody's right. like opinion, right? Uh, it's somebody who actually like is is paying you. It's, it's one of your target target customers, right? Um, and so I think like it's important to filter all of these ideas as well, right? Like is this is this a flavor that everybody's going to enjoy is this um you know is this too too weird too out there right i think um you know something that we can learn from the sort of bigger brands out there on the shelf right is that they have done and spent so much money on r&d to figure out what flavors people like Right. And, you know, if you launch a bar that is, I don't know, I'm just randomly picking like, I, I'll use one of our shrub flavors, like pineapple turmeric as like a bar, you, you know, that's going to be very different and weird from the sort of classic like chocolate, oatmeal cookie, vanilla, like whatever, right? Uh, peanut butter. So I, I love that you are focusing on two sort of classic flavors, if you will. Um, and I and I love that, again, you're you're sort of thinking about it from a, a profitability perspective, from an, uh, an ease of launch perspective as well. Um, I think the other thing to remember too, right, is that at the end of the day, when a retailer is going to bring you in, right, they're they're taking a risk on you as a brand. And so initially, if you if you start with 10 SKUs and you think, oh, well, like every single one of my flavors is amazing, right? And you know, at the end of the day, sure, they might be good, but there's only enough shelf space for you 
to have maybe three, maybe four SKUs on the shelf to begin with. Because right, the, remember, the, the retailer is taking that risk, right? And so they're not going to take a risk on 10 SKUs from a new brand right away unless, you know, you were on Oprah or Shark Tank or whatever, right? Um, so I think it's really smart to start with two or three um, at the beginning. And then, you know, it, it, it feels like you're also um, sort of trying to see what happens, right? You, you're going to say, hey, I'm going to launch with these two SKUs and we're going to see how it goes, right? And we're going to see which one does better, right? Or, you know, um, so I guess we've got a couple of options here as we think about sort of the next steps for you, right? We've got, um, okay, do we continue to launch with just two SKUs, right? And as I said, I think these classic flavors make a lot of sense. Um, and as you said, they're also very different from each other, right? You have the, your, your chocolate lovers and you have, you know, people that don't like chocolate. Um, so, and then we could also add another flavor to the mix here. But I, I guess in your mind, if if you were to add another flavor, what would that sort of like best case scenario look like? And then, you know, I, I don't know, what what are what are the costs associated with, with making a new flavor, right? Because I think, um, Obviously, that plays a huge factor, right? If it's a a flavor that doesn't have any of the same ingredients, and you have to go source other things, right? Like, is that is that worth it? Um, maybe just walk me through what you think that best scenario looks like potentially. Well, the cost is going to be minimal because I would be using for the two uh, flavors or the two SKUs that I would would be thinking about. I have all the ingredients, so I don't have to go out and procure any more. I don't Great. have to find another vendor. So, so it's really, um, I like that because um, it's not complicated. Once things start getting really complicated, then then there's really a lot of thought into it. And am I, am I going to, you know, invest in more of this and more of that? I don't have to do that. So I'm going to use Great. the same base ingredients, and the cost of ingredient of um, the cost of producing the front and back labels. Um, yep. um, we have a, a branding representative who is, um, we, I talked to him about it and he just said, we're going to use the same template. So Great. we're looking at maybe $50. Great. Purchasing a SKU is about 30. And <clears throat> if the stores end up buying three SKUs from me, since that's all I have and my revenue increases, so does my shelf life space and everyone likes the flavor and they all consistently move at the uh, same-ish velocity. That would be the best case scenario, right? Yeah, right. Because I mean, at, at the end of the day, if, if a store is willing to bring on two, like stores might be willing to bring on three flavors, right? They're always asking you, well, what are your best sellers, right? And you're, give me your top three sellers from your whole lineup, right? And so if you only have three products, then you have three best sellers, right? Um, but at the same time, right, you're also, there's this potential downside that one of those 
flavors doesn't sell as well as the others. And then the store is just constantly reordering the other flavors, which is still good for you. But then, you know, well, it, was it worth kind of having that third skew uh, on the shelf, right? And you guys, you guys are in a commercial kitchen right now, right? You're, you don't have a co-packer that you're working with yet, right? So co-packer, right? Right. Okay, great. So we're not, we're not talking about, you know, adding a new SKU means committing to another high minimum order, like 2,000, 5,000, 20,000 units, right? We're not talking about extra storage. We're not talking about purchasing ingredients in bulk or buying thousands of, you know, extra sleeves or whatever it is we're putting our bars in, right? Um, so in your case, you've got that you're really sort of nimble now in your early stage where you can decide how many bars you're going to make. You're not going to need to over inventory things, which I think is a really great place to be. And so, you know, as we think about sort of our, our listening audience here too, right. I think your decision on how many SKUs you bring into the, into the CPG world depends on a lot of these things, right? Like, like do you have a co-picker? Do you have to commit to, uh, you know, spending a lot more money just to bring on another flavor? Do you have to store all these units? What's your shelf life, right? Like if you had a shelf life of, um, you know, 10 days for your bars and you had 10 SKUs and you made all of them right at the beginning, expecting all of them to sell. And now like, stores only wanted three, well, you just let seven SKUs expire and now you have to go make them again in the hopes that more of those other SKUs will, will sell, right? Yes. Um, okay, so what what's the worst case scenario for you, right? Like, let's say, I mean, and worst case scenario almost feels like sort of the status quo, right? Like doing what you were planning to do, planning to do maybe from the beginning, right? So what what happens when you just like say no <laughs> to more SKUs and and you just go with two? What what is what does that look like for you? So if we just go with two SKUs and then we find out that the wholesalers um, aren't really that interested in just two SKUs. Um, we may have to go to and expand our online retail sales. And if we expand the retail sales, we're going to be spending more time filling smaller orders to a larger number of retail customers uh, versus the larger orders that um, where wholesaler customers could be reordering from us. And we want to give them variety. Uh, sure. We just don't want to expand so quickly that um that they're not ready because they yeah. have to be ready right it's not just yeah. about like hey we're putting this out there by our stuff we have to like you said before we have to convince them it's going to be profitable for them yeah exactly right i mean you you want to you want to make sure those those your kimbars sell off the shelf uh you also want to make sure that you are continuing to build brand awareness, right? So that you're driving traffic to your website to get those online sales, right? 
Um, as you said, we, we have to do the work. It doesn't just happen. You can't just put your website up and expect, you know, people to just uh, show up, right? We have to tell That's them right. that your, your product and your brand exists and why, why they should, why they should buy these things. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, and, you know, at the end of the day, if you sell two, like, this is sort of like worst case, best case, worst case, best case scenario, you, you stick with your two SKUs. Um, they both do well. And, and then in the future, and, and even if you are not like getting that additional, we'll call it like case per order, uh, because like if, if you didn't, if you had three SKUs, maybe, maybe stores might order an extra case from you on the first order, but then the reorder sort of situation is still not guaranteed because you don't know which SKUs are going to sell better. But at the beginning, when you've got two SKUs that are very different from each other, uh, and you know that you have an audience for, for both of them, I think you can probably expect a relatively similar velocity maybe between the two. Um, it also makes the, you know, we haven't talked about this yet, but it makes the decision for the customer really easy, right? Because they only have two choices, right? Yes. And when, you know, when we think about, um, you know, this sort of like decision paralysis of like, hey, like I'm seeing like 20 flavors on the shelf. Huh, which one do I want today, right? Like there, you can get caught in that and then be like, yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna like, I just need something where I can, where I can make a choice between two things, right? And so I think there's definitely a benefit to having two choices that are very different from each other um, that, you know, let let customers decide, okay, well, this is for me, this is for me, right? Um, but then right, let's let's say things go well in this worst case scenario of just launching with two. Um you guys could maybe 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 you don't launch a new sort of core flavor at the beginning, but you know, what if you did sort of seasonal flavors throughout the year? Has that Cross your mind? Yes, I've considered seasonal or temporary SKUs. And for example, double chocolate cherry for around Valentine's Day. And my husband, he's the one who created that. He thinks he's a chocoholic. Love it. And um, so the other one is maybe mint for Christmas. So a lot of people like mint, but a lot of people don't. So that might be something that's more iffy. Sure. Um, if flavor is popular, we might decide to offer it year round. And it's a good way to test a product with consumers before taking making that big leap. Yeah, I mean, I I love I love the idea of seasonal SKUs, especially when you only have you know sort of two as your as your core, right? I think if if you're doing well in stores, right, and category buyers are seeing that your product is selling, of course they're going to want to invest more in you and that product that is doing really well on their shelves. Right. Um, and, and seasonal items are also, you know, a really great way to just talk about something new. Right. Um, I mean, from a, from a business perspective, I'm sure like 
if Starbucks sold pumpkin spice lattes year round, right, people would probably buy them, right, because it's Starbucks. But, you know, I think the the fun thing about seasonal things, right, is that they are limited, limited edition, right, they give you a chance to like, talk about something fresh and new, right, to get, you, you always want to have a reason to talk to your customers about something, right. And, and so, having something at Christmas and Valentine's like every two months that's new. And that's, you know, uh, that's also easy for you to, to do operationally, right. Is, is great because then you can sort of, it's kind of like having one extra skew for the entire year. You're just changing the flavor and getting people excited for that particular season. Right. So, you know, when we think about like, you'd mentioned like, Hey, if it's good, we might like bring it or we might offer it year round. And I think that's, I think that's a good thing to sort of think about. And of course, like if it's good and people want it year round, great, but you also want to make sure your core flavors are, are core, right? Like that, and that they're sort of flavors that people would expect to have year round, right? Like for example, and I don't know, like if you did a pumpkin flavor, right? I would almost rather you just launch it in September and October and get people really excited about it rather than sort of like having it year round and then offering other things uh, instead throughout the year that touch on each of each of the seasons and that highlight some things that you can't otherwise highlight, right? I mean, we at Element Shrub, we have year round uh, shrubs, but then we also have seasonal flavors, uh, right? In the summer, we make our blueberry rosemary shrub and then that's it. And like, once it sells out for the year, you just have to wait till next summer, right? So that that's also sort of an exciting part about having these seasonal things is like, once it's gone, it's gone. And so it creates this, almost this like FOMO effect of like, hey, I have to, I have to get it now. This is my chance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it just, gets, gets people excited about it. Right. Um, hey, Charlie, I have a question. Yeah. So when you go to launch something on a, on a seasonal basis and you want to know if you want to bring it in, uh, as, um, uh, permanently. Sure. How many days would you, um, launch it for, or have it available for, to be able to know this is a tried and true. I want to keep this on my list. I want to keep this as a year round skew. Does it take 90 days? Does it take 60 days? Uh, like what is your uh, experience in that? That's, that's a fantastic question. I think there's a couple of factors that I would consider. Number one is the ingredient itself seasonal, right? So for example, um, now in the case of like pumpkin spice, right? You know, if you're using just like a spice blend, obviously you can buy like cinnamon and nutmeg year round, but you know, the idea of pumpkins and the fall and things like that obviously are more fall friendly. Um, in, in our case at element shrub, like we make our, our, one of our seasonal flavors, as I said, is our blueberry rosemary shrub. So for us, uh, in the summer, you know, blueberries are seasonal, but in the winter, they're not, right? And so for us, 
if I wanted to make that a year round flavor, I'd have to pay three times the price for blueberries in January than I would in August. And so operationally, right, that is not the best, right? And and from a like a a flavor perspective is people just consumers aren't expecting blueberry products in January, right? And so I think from a flavor perspective, that's why I was saying, you know, if you do a pumpkin flavor, you know, I think if you have it year round, there's also this um I don't I don't know how to sort of describe it in one word, but you don't want to mislead yourself to think that your sales year round are going to be amazing because uh, when you're launching something for a season, right? Like for Valentine's day, you know, now in the, with, with Valentine's day, a double chocolate cherry, I could see that maybe working, you know, throughout the year because it's not, you know, it's, it's still chocolate and everybody likes chocolate, but, you know, I don't know for mint and Christmas, for example, right? Like you might do great for the holidays, but you know, there's a couple of factors there, which is one, it's the holidays, people gift more, people consume more, you know, people, you know, right. And so, and and then mint is also more popular during that time of the year. And so if you sort of make the assumption that, oh, okay, well, we did so well with this mint flavor during Christmas, we're going to do it year round. You might, the, the data is not going to be it probably won't translate to the rest of the year because of those other factors that just kind of come into play because either you made it limited edition and people are like hey I have to buy it now or because it's that particular holiday and you know people just wanted it for that holiday but they don't want it for the rest of the year right or um yeah, or or for a, maybe a couple of other reasons, and uh, and so I think when you're when you're thinking about do I launch this year round, you want to consider well, is this a flavor that people really want throughout the year? Two, from a data perspective, uh, am I am I being realistic with sort of knowing that this is going to work year round versus just, you know, I don't know, making, making the assumption that just because it worked for Christmas or just because it worked for Valentine's Day or just because it worked for 4th of July, right. Means that it's going to work the rest of the year. Um, and, and then like operationally, you know, are your costs going to increase at different times of the year because of the availability of the particular product if it's something that's fresh or if it's something that's you know more difficult to source at another time of year um you want to you want to take that into consideration you know as well that so i think you know, you know from your original your original question how many days do i wait i think it's it's maybe it's less about the number of days and and more about you know what kind of feedback are you getting from people um you know, and as a as a you know young brand that's sort of launching into wholesale now, and um, and really like tapping into you know your your target customer, I think 
continuing to get feedback from them on what they want to see and what they're willing to pay for. And, you know, with, without committing to doing something, you know, for year round is, is always, is always good. Right. Great. Great. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, okay. So your original plan was launched with two. We talked about, you know, what additional views look like. It sounds like you want to, you want to do things, um, you want to be, be profitable from the beginning, right? Which means, you know, limiting uh, cash flow out at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And you've got the ability to uh, sort of be nimble with the amount of inventory that you're making, with the amount of packaging that you're purchasing right now, which is great. Um, yeah, I think the other thing to remember too is that, you know, things are going to change, right? Your packaging might change, your messaging might change. And, you know, when you're when you're committing to more SKUs at the same time, you're you're also you know, investing in your current like packaging, messaging, et cetera. And which just means that you're you're paying more money right now for for those things. But if those things change, then you have to replace those and that that costs money, right? And so at the beginning, just this this idea of sort of continuing to iterate and be open to the idea that, hey, we're going to start with two SKUs and we're going to really like make sure we get this right. And then once we know that our messaging is right and our things like that, and we can launch seasonal things, but before we launch newer core flavors too, we really want to like nail down our messaging and really get to know our audience. And, um, and then from there, we sort of make those changes and, and start to, to expand rather than doing it, you know, right off the bat. Yeah, that's a big, that is a big decision, you know? Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, um, I don't know how, how, so how are you, how are you feeling about it? What, uh, you know, we've, we've talked through a couple of things. What, what do you feel are sort of next steps for you um, kind of leading up to leading up to launch? Well, um, I'm excited about the possibility and this has given me a lot to think about. Uh, my husband, Greg, and I are building the Kimbar business together, and it's time it. to have a meeting of the minds <laughs> to lay out a step-by-step plan to make sure that we have all the ingredients, the support, and the supplies we need. We need to produce some samples, I think, and get them out to our important customers and get good feedback from them. What do you think? Would you buy this if it was down the street at, uh, you know, I don't want to give the name of a of a of a store yet, but you know, at <laughs> sure. such, and such a store. Yeah, and um, and then you know, then make our decision. Um, but you have given me so many things. I mean, it's just, it's like I kind of have an overall picture of what it's going to take. Um, the other thing I know that we'll need to do is we take and do one uh, skew at. One um, in our industrial kitchen, we go one day and we make one flavor. Yeah. We're going to have to add another day, right? It takes yeah, away sure. from it takes away from contacting customers and 
And um, it, that's a that's really a big part of a decision we have to make. Do we have the stamina? Do we have the the time to be able to add that in and and make sure it's going to be successful? Because if not, we need to wait until we can. Yeah. So those are kind of some of the, you know, some of the peripheral things that we need to uh, figure out. But this has been great. I'm so glad I came on and yeah. we did uh, this up. Uh, this podcast together. It's really, um, I'd encourage anybody in retail ready, if you have a question and this would be a great way to investigate it and walk through it. So thanks, Charlie. It's been great. Of course. Of course. Thank you, Kim. I love, I love the idea of, um, considering your opportunity cost, right? What, what is that opportunity cost of, that extra time in the kitchen, the cost of that time in the kitchen that you, you know, and again, depending on how your contract is set up, are you paying, you know, a fixed amount a month? Are you paying per hour? Uh, and, you know, do you, do, so, so it's, it's, it's not just depending on what that looks like, right. It's not just the cost of labels, right. It's that additional cost, or it's also that opportunity cost of, Hey, if our chocolate bars are selling twice as well as this new flavor, don't we want to spend another day in the kitchen making more chocolate bars, right? Instead of more, you know, I don't know, pina colada bars or whatever, whatever that different flavor is, right? Um, so I, I think I think that opportunity cost is really, really important to think about. I also think, you know, really talking to your customers as much as much as possible is really, really great to to do, especially at the beginning when you, when you have the time and you have the, the ability to, to really get to know them and, uh, and, and know what they, uh, know what they want. So awesome. Well, Kim, I want to wrap things up here, but before we do, uh, can you tell everybody where they can find you and, uh, and find Kim Bars? Sure. So on Instagram and Facebook, it's at Tasty Kimbars. And through our web website, it's kimbars.com. Awesome. Well, Kim, thank you so much for, for joining me. It was so great to have you. Uh, I maybe maybe we'll uh we'll check back in in a year and do another podcast and see, sure. see how things are going, see how many SKUs you have at that point. And uh, and we'll we'll go from there. So um yeah, thank you again. And I, I hope all of you guys enjoyed this Food Business Podcast with Kim Meyer from Kim Bar Energy Bars. Uh, this is exactly the type of one-on-one -on -one coaching that I do exclusively for Retail Ready students day in and day out. Um, Kim, thank you again for joining us. I will see you in our Facebook group. Encourage you to come back and share in our Facebook group uh, kind of your progress along the way uh, so that the rest of our students can, can see your journey and I will be back in your ears next month. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Food Biz Whiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.